Welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizzled on the Twitters. I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And we are joined today by a special guest. Um, she happens to be in town. She happens to be my mother, but she's going to be delightful <laughs> on both count, despite those things, or perhaps because of them. Who knows? Really, really sell it, Liz. <laughs> She happens to be here. She happens to be your mother. Come Let's, on. She's your mom. She's awesome. She is She's pretty in awesome. town for the podcast. This is exciting. Yeah. That, thank you for thank you for saving this. I was nearly going to be like, we have to re-record this. I'm, it's a long day. I'm tired. Uh, but it Gotta is like. some Coke. Uh, can't, I, can't, I can't risk that, that kind of addiction. Yeah. Uh-huh. After that introduction, I have no idea what to say. This is Janet Miller. Uh, she's at Janet Miller on Twitter, I believe. Um, and yeah, and mom, mom has been. If, if I, if I, if I've ever come off to you guys as slightly nerdy, um, it is because I was raised properly by my parents, um, including my mom, who encouraged me in the finer, finer, finer ways of uh, nerd culture. Um, mom, mom, I believe, brought me to my first Star Trek convention um, at a very young age, and I got and got me hooked. First video I ever recorded was Star Wars. Star Wars off the TV. Yep. Mrs. Miller, how do you feel about uh, Fox Mulder and Dana Scully as a couple? Don't you dare. I'm curious. Um, I have no problems at all with them basically doing whatever it is they're doing that's a great reaction whatever it is they're doing it's um well very clearly a child was born therefore but who's <laughs> and they believe that the child was there See, so. she, she understands the logic she understands uh, the logic they think they, they ergo there is proof that they had gone to pound town at least once yeah, I mean, there's more proof in later episodes, but that doesn't mean they're a couple. And if they are a couple, they are terrible at it. Oh, my God. For the record, let it be known that it was not I who brought up the X-Files. It was Benjamin um, who... I have questions. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Only, uh, only, only one more week, Ben. Before... We're recording before the finale. Uh, ah. Which, uh, we're we're gonna have to talk about that next week, Ben. I think I think I'm not gonna be able to talk about anything else. Well, next week we won't have it yet, right? Well, no, no, it will air next Wednesday. Oh, it's Wednesday. This yeah. coming, like as they're listening, this coming Wednesday. This coming Wednesday. Oh shit! I gotta catch up. Yep. I mean, you're only like what two behind? I think so. Okay, that's not too bad. I saw the sushi one. That was the last one I saw. Yeah, you're you're two behind. Okay. Take your sushi robot. Um. <laughs> This is not at all what we had planned to talk about with mom today. Um, instead, the actual topic of conversation um, is one show that came up as one that we had all kind of, we are all aware of, all kind of seen, and all kind of have like, I feel like the varying degrees, but to the, to some extent, the same feeling of, huh, if, if, if that expresses anything as a word. Um, but we're, 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 of course, talking about American Crime Story, or sorry, Proper title, 
The Assassination of, of Gianni, Gianni Versace, colon, American Crime Story, which is a show that I feel like a lot of people can't went into with a lot of high expectations, especially just based on the American Crime Story brand, and has been revealed to be a very different breed of show than um, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, which was, of course, a real triumph for television, um, due with really great collaborators all working together on it. As Accurate. As I used to say on Monty Python, and now for something completely different. <laughs> that is also accurate, as this season of American Crime Story has both been received uh, and uh, largely considered different. Like, yeah. just, just uh, I'd say most people are, I would say, are disappointed or at least consider it less well done than season one. Um, but it's also a very different story. I feel like they're Fox, not Fox, FX could have done a little more kind of in like predicting that, predict, like, they, you know, seeing it come in, seeing what was what was being made and being like, we should really make it clear to people that this is not going to be O.J. Simpson. This is going to be a very different beast. But if you do that, then you risk losing the audience who's signing up for the very franchise that you worked so hard to create. So... They, they kind of had to roll with the punches on it in, in a very specific way. And they've put out there since, you know, the reviews came out, since its first airing, they've been very consciously trying to remind people that this is a different writer, um, this is a, a different story, um, not every season is going to be the same thing, it's just... You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mom, when you were coming into this, when you were watching like the first episode or two, what was your, what was, what were you expecting? Um. Well, I was not expecting what I got, mm-hmm. which was a. We start with the end and start basically exploring backwards to see how we got there. Right. And you didn't um, know that was going to be a part of the show. I did not know that was going to be part of the show. I kind of appreciate the, the 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 idea of doing it. I'm not sure they're doing it quite in a, in, a, in an engaging way that is not also more than a little confusing sometimes because yeah. each episode, okay, so where are we now? And are yeah. we when are we now? Mm-hmm. No, it's a totally fair point. Um, I mean, like, I feel like the title cards that we get at the beginning are kind of haunting, haunting in a specific way. Like, you know, just you know, kind of listing off who's been who's been killed so far, or who who was, or, or how long it will be until this person is killed. Um, but yeah, it's a weird structure. I yeah, mean, it asks you to juggle a lot of specific dates, especially if you're watching week to week. And I agree with you. I, I honestly find the idea of how they're doing this, kind of going backwards, traveling back in time to explore the roots of it, I think that sounds great on paper. I think as a pitch that that's, a, that that's something that's like, oh, man, okay, I really love this idea. It's different. It's challenging. You could use it in a way to reveal things that would be compelling if put to the right story. But so far, it just hasn't felt like the right story to me. Like, I don't feel like this story was conducive to this approach Hmm. and that I don't feel like I'm gleaning a lot of extra information from having to do the work of putting this together as I work backwards through it. So, Well, it's not the only time that's ever been done. True, yeah. There have been plenty of examples of people who play with time as a structure in storytelling. But um, in general, 
telling the story of a murderer who's not a particularly likable character to start with, and he gets less likable by the moment. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. I mean, I honestly, I think for me, that was the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, twist was the fact that, you know, you sell me on Versace, and I think like a lot of their lead up to it had been about, you know, we're going to really show what what the house of Versace, and we're going to really, you know, showcase his incredible talent and eye for design and whatnot. And we didn't really, you know, it's like, it's not really his story in the end. Like, his his narrative is there. But it really is about Andrew Kananen. And that is, a, I, don't, I don't know if I'm disappointed by that. But I feel like it's not exactly what I feel like I've been sold. Right, yeah. I'd, I'd agree that the, the way that they're tying in Versace's story throughout like pretty much after the second or third episode the way they keep kind of coming back to him and and they come back to him less and less i don't feel like he's as prominent in the later episodes as he was in the early ones um but they do seem they do insist on coming back to this and there you'll see these loose ties and loose connections as to you know justify why they're doing that but i don't feel it's as urgent from a writer's standpoint as it is from the fact that they got Edgar Ramirez and Penelope Cruz and Ricky Martin to be in that story, and they want to keep exploring that side of it. It's almost—I feel like they could have alluded to kind of the same points that they're making without relying on their narrative as much as they do. Like it just doesn't seem like I—I I haven't watched this since I reviewed it. Mm-hmm. back when they gave us the first seven episodes and i don't remember a lot of the versace story like it's just not as strong it's not as compelling it's not as memorable it's not i don't feel like it ties in as as much as uh you know just the straight through line of going back through kunanan's journey so um i don't know it, it's one of those things that just isn't it's not a it wasn't a bad choice to tell the story this way but i feel like maybe they're overly reliant on stuff that maybe doesn't justify the screen time. I mean, I feel like, is there there a story that would be better served by being told this way? Hmm. Like, I mean, because I feel like we're, you know... I mean, actually, maybe... Because one of the one of the other future alleged future uh, crime stories is going to be uh, is going to be the Clinton impeachment. They've they've promised that The, the the Clinton impeachment. Oh yes, and I feel like I, I don't know if they would do if how this approach would work, but I feel like I feel like maybe it's just like remembering looking back at like during during the Clinton campaign, the, the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, they you know every once in a while they'd pull up like an old archival photo of her yeah. and her and Bill during like the early nineties, mid nineties, and a they were it was always like oh look at them they're so young and oh that's right. All this, all this stuff is about to happen and has already happened. Like, you know, the 92 campaign was no, had no shortage of rumors about his, you know, p- potential infidelity. But yeah, it's such a weird, it's, I mean, I feel like that one could maybe work, but I don't know. You were shaking your head, Ben, but. Yeah, I think that one would just be tricky because the momentum carries through so much to the impeachment proceedings and i mean there's there's a lot like you said there's a lot of ways you could frame the story like around where you know the the climax necessarily would be or or where your end game would would be because the their story continues for so long 
uh, even after the impeachment. Obviously, it goes through Clinton's campaign, and that's a whole other thing. But um, yeah, it depends on kind of what you want to say with it. And I'm I'm not necessarily good at coming up with examples of what this kind of storytelling could apply to. But you definitely need to take into consideration what your biggest moment is, what your most revealing, telling, culminating life moment is. And so far as we go back through Andrew's journey, it hasn't been anything more than what we started with. Like, it it did feel like they started with a culmination and worked back, but you still have to have a powerful narrative where your arc peaks towards the end to really justify, you know, starting at the beginning or starting at the end like that. Well, I feel like the one thing we don't really know at this stage is... I mean, okay, I'm with within like two seconds, I could Google Andrew Kanan and find out where he is right now today sure. and what his deal is. I have not done this, and it's very silly to say because of spoilers, but I am looking forward to seeing the finale next week uh, as we record this, a uh, couple just a couple of days as you listen, um, and find out like what what where where his story ended up, um, and I think and maybe that's where that moment is. I mean, I feel like there was something very deliberate in the O.J. Simpson series about how there's, like, the the verdict comes in basically, like, I think about 15 to 20 minutes before the end of the episode. And that's a long episode. Um, so you get a fair amount of the aftermath following, like, just, like, the bare basics, like, you know, you get that really great scene at OJ's house where he's having, where they're having the big party and everyone's like, and, and he's like, basically like, it's so great. I'm free. And then discovering just what this has done to his life. Um, and I feel like that, and that's, that's great, but. Yeah. I, but I, I guess that's, that to me is one of the things that is more discouraging about where we're at with this one than we were with that one, because that uh, you could see how the pieces were coming together and building to the trial verdict. You knew that the the implications of the trial verdict and what they were going to say, you knew that that was going to carry so much weight beyond the courtroom Mm -hmm. because of all the other dynamics that they'd brought into play, both personally for, you know, uh, for Darden and for Marsha Clark, uh, personally for Simpson in in its own strange way, personally for, you know, the the lawyers on the other side of things. And, uh, you know, let's never forget David Schwimmer's Kardashian. I mean... There's, Juice. there's there's moments in that where you knew that even though you knew the ending, you know knows know what happened to OJ, it was still built around the trial. So it made sense that the that, that would be the climax and that everything leading up to it um, was gaining steam and gaining momentum in, you know, building to that point. This has feel felt the opposite. It has felt like it's decreasing in momentum as the story mm-hmm. continues to go along. And we're always going to be curious about what happens to these people. We're always going to find that interesting, like what the end result is, whether it's actually captured visually or just told to you in a title card um, or you know it. But for those who know it and for those who don't, I just feel like no matter what happens in this last episode, it could be great. It could improve the season. It could You could see exactly why they made the decision they did. And at the same time, it doesn't justify spending seven hours of an eight-hour story, nine hours, eight hours—is how long is it? I think it's. I think it's going to be. It's, I, I think maybe they gave us eight, or maybe it's nine hours. Good lord, we should know yep, that. Yep, it's nine. Okay, um, thank you. So this is episode nine we're coming up on. So like, yeah, so spending that much time going down a path in this vein 
and making your audience feel this way, or at least, uh, you know, not necessarily explaining or justifying or, or catching you up in the momentum of the story, the way it's being told, that's a mistake. Like the, if it, if the, if the ending justifies the decision to tell it this way, that's great. And it will improve the overall interpretation of this, but it doesn't necessarily justify what stories were told and how they were told in between when we realized that they started this way and when we found out why they did it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if we needed to find out why earlier. I don't know if there just needed to be a, a kind of a shuffle in how the the murders were played out or what we learned about him in each episode. Maybe that would have you know, changed things and we would have felt a more powerful through line or connection to this character. But it felt to me like a lot of it was in those first two episodes and then the rest of it's just been kind of interesting backstory, but nothing all that surprising pertinent relevant aside from what was the fifth episode where the guy that he had a crush on he took him hostage and like david yeah yeah the cabin one i think it's called like the cabin or something like that yeah it's uh, that was well the funny thing is is that if you look at look at the way the show has progressed and andrew himself when he kills versace we see a very visible response from him. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I, it's been a while but since I've seen that episode, but I'm trying to remember, I, I seem to remember him really breaking down, yeah, possibly even throwing up or something, that he had a very physical reaction he, he to killing out. Versace, something that never happened in any of the previous murders that we saw. Interesting. That this was the one that made, this was the one he wanted. Yeah. For some reason. And I don't know what the others were. I don't know why he killed them. Yeah. Other than he was angry at them at the moment. But they didn't mean anything. Yeah. And he killed them. Yeah. Jeff Jeff was the the kid who he kidnapped and took out to the lake. And that's an incredible performance and a story unto himself that... that you could see the personal connection and what was driving him crazy about it. And that episode individually was powerful. But again, it was one of those things where like they found an individual story that was really good. And it was almost as if it was a standalone hour for the other character outside of Andrew, because we kind of already knew what Andrew was going to do. And we kind of already knew why we kind of already knew that this wasn't the big moment. It was just a piece in the puzzle that was leading to something else. And that hour was really good, and that performance by the actor whose name I'm forgetting right now, and we'll look up later, um, was incredible. Oh yeah. But yes, absolutely. It didn't. It didn't necessarily justify the way the story was being told. Again. I mean, I feel like it, it's really tough though, because on the one hand, I agree with you on that episode. I agree with you that 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 episode kind of, I feel like, does basically kind of like sink the momentum of the of the season. But that episode, as well as Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which is an, an easy episode name to remember because it's the episode about uh, Flynn Whittock's character, whose name I'm blanking on. That, uh, but he, uh, but he was a, you know, his that that episode, which is so focused on one specific issue, it is so beautifully told. Um, that one, I really, you know, really responded to, and I feel like if you had split up the focus more, if you had made it. If you if if it wasn't there and it wasn't a whole episode, I I feel like I would have missed it. I mean, I would know I've missed it, but well, no one's saying it shouldn't have been a whole episode either. Both of these individually are strong episodes. It's just 
the the sequencing of them is almost unnecessary like what makes them powerful and what makes them great uh, are the performances and the individual stories not the fact that one was told before or after the other like they could have reversed it and it would have been fine they're they're both what four and five in the season so they're mm-hmm. basically in the middle so that's you know probably one of the reasons why but it, it, so it, as it, you're it, watching it's not adding to anything so if this told, story had been Overall. told linearly like if so basically they've been flopped um, would have been just as good you know, interesting. It's kind of interesting in the sense that the focus really isn't on Versace, even though that's the murder that's in the title. But by doing these two episodes, they basically focused on the victims, the earlier victims. Yeah. So it it's almost as if, let's suppose we would redo the OJ trial, but instead of telling us about the OJ trial, tell us about... Nicole Simpson and, uh, oh goodness, what was his name? Uh, Ron Goldman. Ron Goldman. And giving them a, giving them a voice. Yeah, just maybe, like. Maybe that's part of what they're trying to do here, is with each individual episode, they're giving a voice to one of the victims that just happened to get in his way. Well, and also, I mean, those victims are are gay men trying to live their lives in the 90s? Yes. In the 90s. And it's Um, kind of a dangerous place. In in various dangerous places, especially for uh, Finn Wittrock's character Mm -hmm. in Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, So they're definitely trying to expand this story to to kind of chronicle... um, you know something something beyond just Versace, beyond just Cunanan, beyond just the crimes themselves, and to say what it's like, you know, what these people were facing in America at this time and the path that led them mm-hmm. to this. Um, and again, those those are very powerful subjects, and that's something that needs to be tackled. And those episodes individually do it in a very good way. But again, like uh, it it doesn't provide a lot of overall narrative momentum the way that the OJ trials did and the way the OJ trials tackled racism by examining, you know, the court system itself and the lawyers who were presiding over it and the judges and the perception and OJ. Um, so it's just, it, it to me, it hasn't sustained the momentum it needed to make the entire series as profound as the individual episodes can, can be. Uh, and that's been a detriment to the show overall like the little the dips and valleys and again like talking about these episodes again does has anything that's happened in Versace's personal story has anything that we've seen with him aside from that opening um really resonated and been as meaningful and important to the story as these characters have been I don't think so so that to me is another problem because they've taken up a ton of screen time I mean I think that probably the best scene um and I and maybe I'm only saying this because uh, FX sent it out as like a special clip and I watched it recently, uh, was the scene where like the sequence involving like uh, Donatella's dress that they designed yes. together. And then like it becomes like a symbol of like we need to scale back the design to in order to uh, we need to scale back the design so that we can make this a more marketable, more commercial thing. And I feel like that scene was a really interesting one. I think it's kind of, it kind of, that one is kind of the epitome of what they want to do with the Versace stuff, which is they really want, they really want to highlight him as a creator and as a designer and also illustrate how the people in his life affected his story and his life. Um, but I think that scene is the one, the one that I can think of. Like, I feel like there's room for more. And I feel like, especially because, 
uh, this is something I got from talking to the the, the uh, showrunner Tom Rob Smith. He he made a big point about how it, this is <laughs> easily one of one of those like great like interview moments where you you kind of make an offhand joke and you don't expect to get anything really meaty out of it. And then he has like a whole take. And I was bringing up the, the, the joke from Showgirls about how um, I brought that, uh, you know, she's, you know, Elizabeth Berkeley's character because she's, she, she don't know nothing. She's from the Hicks. She's a Hick from the sticks. And she calls, uh, she's pronounces oh, Versace right. Versace. Mm-hmm. And his point, Tom Rob Smith's point was that the joke isn't that she doesn't know how to say Versace. The joke is not only does she not know how to say Versace, but she is, in the 90s at that time, Versace was seen as slutty and classless. And so not only is she so dumb that she doesn't know how to say Versace, but she's the kind of, she's not so unclassy that she wears Versace. And, which is weird, actually, because I remember that the dress she wears, and it's actually kind of a cute dress. It doesn't seem all that, you know... Speaking I from think your that dress looks slutty. Well, there you go. Of course, she was in Las Vegas. It's kind of hard to. <laughs> are you Are you saying? I'm glad that you didn't decide to say that I have I have I have slutty dress taste. Oh no, that wasn't what I was going to say. I was going to say that you were speaking from a from a more modern mentality uh, than fair. than what the people who were judging Versace at the time had. Yeah. So then. That Good point. Lie, well, and that, and that speaks to the fact that Versace was, in theory, very ahead of his time in right. terms of design. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I yeah, mean, and there's there's a there's a great like to go along with your point really quick. Sorry, there's just a great story there, in, in you know, a designer who's being discriminated against for his designs because of who he is and because of what he does, and um, now we started to appreciate him and then contrasting that with you know kind of the dark side of the obsession that stemmed from it and and how that all connects but again like i feel like we have to kind of keep reaching or keep talking to people or keep having other things interfere with the show for us to find the the discussion that they want us to have and i felt like whereas with oj you didn't have to do that. You, the you heavy lifting it. was done for you. Yeah, you well, you watched it. You talked about it. You got it. Like it was all there on the screen. This one is is hovering around that in such a broad way that it's it's a little less effective, even though the topics that we're discussing are important and the stories they're telling are are tremendous. Well, the uh, the OJ thing, everybody already knew the story. Mm-hmm. This story I did not even know, and of course I was around during the nineties. I mean, you were um, like what, twelve, fourteen? <laughs> Spookly no, you issues. were like sixteen at the time. So hush. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. <laughs> so I was even slightly older than you were. But but no, the point is that uh, I didn't know uh, who had killed. I did not know the name Andrew Kananen. Kananen. Um. Uh, so I did not know the story. Mm-hmm. So this is all brand new to me. But um, so yeah, we've had uh, stories about uh, uh, what it is to be. A, I hadn't actually made the connection that uh, the that the OJ was about uh, race discrimination and the and issues during the nineties. Uh, nineties. No, OJ was eighties. No, O.J. Simpson, the O.J. Simpson, the O.J. Simpson trial took place in 1994. 19, well, the murders took place in 1994. They did. Yes, and then uh, the trial went through 1995. 
Okay, I, I had a memory that it was earlier than that, but okay, um, I'm wrong. But uh, like I said, the 90s was, you know, anyway. I mean, look, um, at the, you, you see, remember the fashions from that era, We're, they're barely out of the 80s. Right, that's true. But uh, so, so here we were in, in the 90s, and this, these two events actually happened. Mm-hmm. But this one was, this is one is, they're telling the story about, uh, about homosexuality mm-hmm. in the United States in the 90s. They're talking about don't ask, don't tell. They're talking about how um, the first thing a police detective does when he's uh, uh, investigating uh, the murder of a of gay man is, uh, gee, what is the uh, sexual sleeping around in this particular house? Yeah. Like, okay, that's why somebody shot this man on the street. Yeah, a lot yeah. of judgment and a lot of, uh, a lot of judgment. lack of humanity as soon as they kind of make that judgment, which yeah. is disturbing. Uh, information that gets lost because right. people aren't willing to talk about it. The, the, the story about the, the wife uh, who, mm-hmm. whose husband... Uh, Good old Judith Flight. And, uh, oh, it was obviously uh, staged. Mm-hmm. Well, right. yeah, it was staged, however. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Good. Let's talk more about sixteen-year-old Liz, though. Like, let's get back to that conversation. That seems for like an one important thing, thing. It was several years after then. No, come on. Oh, Ben, you, how many times have we talked about the X Files on this podcast? A lot. That's basically it. Ah, I bet there's more. Yeah, uh, we'll that, see. That um, was the television show she tended to watch. That's absolutely true. Yeah, I would never dispute that. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of evidence to prove if, prove it's true. Um, but I feel like, in general, I, I feel like we're all going to watch the finale. Like, none of us are, like, done with the show. Well, I want to I see how, if if they can possibly turn the, to, uh, pull us all together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the more we talk about it, the more I kind of admire the way the show is working. Um, I don't think, for the most part, I don't think that the writer likes his characters very much. Interesting. Uh, Well, certainly Conan is coming off as a completely unlikable person. He did murder a lot of people. But but he murdered a lot of people and was incredibly charming at the same time. Yeah. This is a con man. Yeah. Um, But but we're not, we're seeing the con. We're not seeing the, we're not seeing the charm. Yeah. Whereas, uh, and Versace, on, on occasion, comes off as kind of whiny. Uh, his sister, oh my God, <laughs> she is not likable at all, except when she is. And she was in this last episode. I liked this last episode with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I blame Darren Chris. Yeah, fair. Um, you guys, final prediction. This is. I feel like. I feel like this is an easy one. Do you think they will go with a traditional like m- closing montage with title cards saying where everyone's at in the mo- in, at, as of today? No. No. Really? Interesting. I would I I I vote I vote yes, I think they're not going to escape it. They could do that. Yeah. But <sighs> dare to be different. Most people most of the, most of the characters are dead. Yeah, that I mean that is spoilers. 
that is the argument. <laughs> that is the argument against it. I don't know. It's just interesting. Like I know that um, for the for the uh, O.J. Simpson finale, they kind of they did want to avoid it initially, and then they realized that you know people like it, they couldn't do it. Well, uh, with with that, all the characters are all alive. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like I feel like you feel we're feel we're good on this. Um, and so really, it just leads me to ask. Mom, what was the best thing you watched last week? Oh, uh, well, I, w- I did ask, ask if I had to make it something that was a scripted piece of television and got the answer that they were going to let me cheat. So it was definitely Hunter Pence hitting a grand slam in a spring training game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, that man walked up to the plate and he owned that ball. Yeah. <laughs> ball just went crazy eyes is back. Oh, my Sports. God. I'm a big Hunter Pence fan. Yeah. He's but, cool. He proposed to his girlfriend at, on top of the contemporary Disneyland with the fireworks in the background. This is a cool guy. Love it. Ben is Ben is so excited about the fact that you're bringing up sports that he's willing to forgive the fact that you're talking about the Giants. Of course I'm talking about the Giants. I, I love no, the Giants. Yeah, I got nothing against the Giants. My brother-in-law's a Giants fan. I can support that. That's really? I forgot that. That's right. J- John's the one. <laughs> Who would kill you? <laughs> That's right. Uh, our SEO guy, John, will will have some beef later. Now, this all this we will have not perform well. Keep, keep these guys from getting hit by balls or going mountain biking. The latter the seems beginning like, of the season. The hmm. latter seems like it should be doable. The former, maybe that'll happen, but come How on. How much money do you have to pay? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah. Um, Apparently not enough. Right. Ben, what was the best? What was the best thing you watched last week? All right, I'm going to make this as quick as possible because I was at South by Southwest last week and I saw a lot of good content. And I think I've already talked about Barry on this show, but if I have not, Barry on HBO is a great new comedy. Um, there's going to be it's a it's a new series. It stars Bill Hader. Um, kind of the pitch of it, at least when I heard it, sounded so been there, done that that I was skeptical. Uh, in that it's about it's about kind of Hollywood actors and becoming an actor and then also about a hitman and that hitman is you know a little upset with his career doesn't like where he's going so then he finds acting and starts to get into it um, and I was like well I don't know if I want to see another story like that but uh, this is from Alec Berg the creator of Silicon Valley among other things or one of the sorry one of the producers on Silicon Valley among other things but um, it's just really really well handled and Hater is surprisingly effective in the role of a very down-to-earth um, uh, kind of average Joe hitman. He's not like your John Wick kind of thing, which was a very conscious choice. He's just, you know, a guy who knows how to get this done and goes and does it. Um, oh, like Chili Palmer and Get Shorty? Yeah, kind of like Chili Palmer minus the mob angle. So he's not slick. He's not, like, overly done up or anything, but he is just kind of, I just I just get the job done and then I get out of there. Um, so that's great. I saw two um, independent TV pilots I want to give a shout-out to. Uh, I've got the best of list on IndieWire, so you should explore that for even more options of what was a a very, very good uh, indie episodic section, the first ever at South by Southwest. But Beast and Polar are both just great, great pilots that deserve immediate exploration, development, pickup, etc. Like, they're just very, very strong right out of the gate. Good sense of tone, great sense of character, beautiful visuals. They feel like they know where their story is going. Um, 
I just, yeah, I, I'm ready to endorse those, and I want to see more as soon as I possibly can. And then lastly, I saw a movie, Liz. What? I saw a movie starring Ann Dowd, and you're never going to believe it, but Ann Dowd was incredible. What? And I loved her, and she's great. And it's super scary, and it's called Hereditary, and it'll be oh, out Oh, you saw June. Hereditary. I did see Hereditary, and it's great, and it's um, beautifully shot. Tony Collette is outstanding. Uh, Gabriel Byrne is very good. Um, super, super creepy uh, builds to just this uh, just utterly insane exorcist-esque finale that will scare the bejesus on anybody. Um, but yeah, all of those wholly endorsed. Hereditary will be out, I think, in the summer. Um, Barry will be out Sunday as you're listening to this podcast. And hopefully Beast and Polar will be available soon. So, Liz, what was the best thing you watched last week? I'm just going to keep this simple because I wrote, like, Goddamn, like, what, 4,000 words on it over the weekend. Uh, uh, but I hadn't seen Jessica Jones season two when we recorded last week. I have seen all of it now. Um, it, while I wish it had come earlier, there's a big twist that happens midway through the season that explains, that basically makes the whole, se- whole season come together. And once that happens, it's a really fun, it's not a really fun ride at all, but it's a very psychologically driven, very down-to-earth exploration of character um episode 11 of the season which brings back someone you knew was kind of if you were been following the show knew was going to come back in some capacity and is a really delightful mind bendy uh moment for the character of jessica jones which in Kristen ritter deserves every bit of praise she gets and yeah there are haters out there screw them season two of jessica jones solid not maybe as great as season one, but solid, so suck a butt. I've been watching a lot of shows about teenagers lately. It may have been affecting my speech. <laughs> um, Mom, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Um, actually, I'm looking forward to the uh, next X-Files. Uh, uh, just because I have, I, I didn't see the one, I guess it dropped uh, on Wednesday this week. Yeah. I haven't seen that one. But... Um, I liked, kind of, in a creepy sort of way, the one that came the week before. And With Mr. Chuckleteeth? Yeah. Then you're not going to like Mr. Chuckleteeth. Um, I didn't like the name. I didn't like the Teletubby uh, ripoff either. <laughs> the Teletubby ripoff. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And then, and then the Sushi Robot episode was great. Yeah. But that but that was a, um, that, that was a good episode. Um, and... Uh, uh, I guess we're getting back into how many more episodes are there? Well, you have two. you are yeah there, you you have two left to watch. Um, the season finale is next week. Okay, so so I guess I, I I got I'm looking forward to getting caught up and seeing the season finale. God help us all. Possible series finale. Possible series finale. Please. Possible. I I kind of I kind of. Wait, Liz, wait till you see it to say that's what you want. I've been kind of saying that's what I want for a while, but we'll see. We'll see. Don't commit. Oh, God. I'm not going to make it. Uh, Or will I? Who knows? Uh, Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? I'm looking forward to Trust on FX. Yeah, you are. I've been told by a few people in this office that I should be looking forward to it, so I'm going to. I'm less skeptical about the insane Brendan Fraser endorsements that I've been hearing after seeing him in Condor. Uh, but, uh, He's but yeah. great. That's what people keep saying. Um, yeah, no, uh, Trust is, the, of course, the John Paul Getty 
story on FX, not the Ridley Scott movie starring Mark Wahlberg and Michelle Williams. Uh, this one has Donald Sutherland and Hilary Swank. Um, so anyway, that comes out Sunday as you're listening to this, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they've got. Yeah. Um, I mean, honestly, as Ben is not a Danny Boyle fan, if Ben comes, oh. if ben comes out hot on Trust, that's a huge endorsement. Danny Boyle, again, like he can work well when he's got a good writer, but if but if there's not a good piece of writing, he's really a, like rough. It's rough to get through that stuff. He's not gonna save it. Um, but Liz, what are you looking forward to? Um, I am looking forward to. God damn it, I wrote it down and everything. Um, ben, you're not gonna like this. I don't really like this. Ready to mute? Nope. <laughs> um, let, let me let me say it first. I'm not saying I'm looking forward to watching season two of Santa Clarita Diet, but I know I must. I know it's going to gross me out. That show is so gross. The only thing grosser than that show is this latest episode of The X-Files, and only because I wasn't ready for it to be that gross. Santa Clarita Diet, I'm at least ready for the grossness. It's going to be so gross, but but it's so good-natured. Also, we Santa Clarita Diet. I think it's honestly the most divisive show on Netflix right now. Can you think of a show that more people like actively love or hate? Uh, no, but I think a lot of well, no. You think people are wrong for not hating Santa Clarita Diet? I do, but there's a person I respect who loves it, and that's you know that's fine. Who's so, that person? Kevin. Oh yeah, Kevin. Yeah. Kevin, like, a friend of mine commented on Facebook just, like, freaking out because she's like, season two's coming next week. And I'm like, oh, you, that's good that you're excited. I just hope Drew Barrymore tries this time. That's all. So mean. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think that, I think, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. I've seen a little bit, and it's, I think it's hasn't changed dramatically in tone or approach. So Great. <laughs> it'll I think it, it but you know we'll see what we'll see how it evolves I feel like they've added a few new cast members from what I remember that should be should add some extra spice to the mix and no I don't I can't talk about food in that show in the looking same sense looking forward to Timothy ah uh, Timothy you gotta love Timothy um and you'll be able to read all about that and more on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like and make sure to listen to all of IndieWire's podcasts but most importantly, listen to Christo Fault's Filmmaker Toolkit podcast because he's the best. You kept it simple that time. Yes. Any particular reason? Time. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining us, Mom. Again, that's Janet Miller, at Janet Miller on Twitter. Thanks, it's, Mrs. Miller. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This is lovely. Yeah. No, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, you've had, had a lot of great insights. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back some, at some point. Um, probably not next week though because you won't be here but we will be back here next week and in the meantime you guys keep watching television 